Matthew chapter 6 is where we'll be this morning. Matthew chapter 6. In verse, we'll read 9 through, I believe, 13 it is. And before we look at what the Lord has for us this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, the Word of God says this, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, it's certainly good to be here this morning. And Lord, what a blessing it is to gather around with other believers this morning. And I pray, Lord, that we would be an encouragement one to another. And Lord, that we would truly exhort one another. And Father, we pray that you would just pour your spirit out today. We ask that you would touch hearts and move in lives. Uh, only as you can. And Lord, you know the needs of the day. And Father, now we pray that you would just help us in the Sunday school hour. I think of the teachers scattered throughout this facility. Lord, we pray that you'd fill them with your spirit. Lord, I pray that each student would be attentive to the word of God. And Father, I pray that as we hear these lessons today, that you would just help us to make application in our life. I pray that we would not just come and hear some things and depart, but Lord, that we would be changed to be more like Christ through Sunday school. And we'll give you the glory for all of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we we looked at the idea of prayer being a center point of Jesus' relationship with the Father. Um, He he rose a great while before day. It says he would separate himself at other times. And and I made mention that oftentimes before uh, decisions, before he was going to select the disciples, he went and prayed. And in the midst of those Uh, challenging times he would pray, and then even after great victories, and he had performed miracles, he would pray. And so prayer was just a part of who Jesus was. And that's how it ought to be in our life. And so this morning, as we continue the idea of commanded to pray, we're going to talk about why pray. Why pray? And there's many reasons, um, but I think some of us may not be able to relate to our Savior He obviously really enjoyed the fellowship of the Father. Boy, he would get away and go before the throne and and get with his his Father and pray. And and hopefully that we can relate, but I'm afraid many times folks just don't understand or they can't relate. Maybe prayer for you is boring. Maybe it just seems awkward or even for some it might be hard. Uh, to pray, I, I know I've experienced those things at different times in my life where I, I felt like I had a desire to pray, but I just found it hard. Uh, oftentimes it was because I had sin in my life that I didn't want to deal with, but, uh, but not always. Um, and that's because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, the word of God tells us. So it, it can be challenging, and that's why I think it's such an important issue that we have to make it a priority. Because it will not just happen. Our flesh resists that. And so uh, I encourage you, schedule time for prayer uh, in, in your day. Set aside some time. Uh, our Savior's example was in the morning. And often, there's other ones we can go. I think there's a good argument that we need to get in touch with heaven before we face the day. Uh, 
before the baby starts screaming, before the wife starts nagging. Okay, some of you are awake. You know, or the husband starts. You know, but I'm being serious though, right? Because we, we're going to be faced with challenges every day. Uh, and we need to be in communion with the Father. We need to be in communion uh, with our Savior. And so make it a priority. Maybe we haven't experienced prayer like Jesus has experienced. And this here is a framework of prayer, is what I would say this morning. Uh, a framework of sorts. Um, <clears throat> and I think it would really open up a new aspect of prayer uh, if we would get a hold of this. Now, I don't think this is the prayer that we need to repeat word for word. Now, if you, if you, I don't think that's wrong either. If you go to Luke chapter 11 and you read that account, it says, when you pray and say, and he lays out the, what we call the model prayer. And so I don't think it's wrong to pray these exact words, but certainly if you back up, look, well, actually, look at verse 9. It says, be not ye therefore like unto them. So let's go back a few verses to verse 5, and let's read what Jesus, the, the context here of what he's saying. It says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto thee, or unto you, they have their reward. So the first thing is, it's not a public thing. Now, this isn't saying we don't pray corporately. That's not what that's saying. But primarily, our prayer life is very private. And if you're praying in front of people just to get the accolades, there's your reward. That's it. Perhaps none of those prayers will ever be answered. It's all in vain. Because you're doing it for men. Listen, you're not doing it because of your love for God and out of that relationship with Him. And so certainly our, our prayers ought to be uh, very much private oftentimes. But look at verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter in the closet, and when thou hast shut the, thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall open, or reward thee openly. Listen, nobody needs to know what you pray. God knows. You can stand on, I, I, can't, I can't imagine the audacity of somebody to stand on the corner of a street and just begin bellowing prayer to be seen of men. That, that just goes against my personality and, and just really my, any reasoning that I have. But, um, but people have done that. Listen, our God sees everything. A prayer said privately is far more effective than something that was done publicly to get the accolades of men. You need to set a time, some time to, time to pray. And then verse 7, but when ye pray, look, I, I love this, use not vain repetitions. So I, that would be a reason that we don't just repeat this model prayer, if you will. And it's probably more of a disciple's prayer. Um, it's certainly not the Lord's prayer. You can go to John 17. That's really where the Lord prayed. What a great example. I'd encourage you to read that. But um, listen, it's not about vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for much speaking. And look at what this, I, I just love this. Be not ye therefore like unto them. Look at what it says. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Now he's not saying don't ask. But the idea here is you don't just have to repeat it a thousand times and think that God's going to answer it because he already knows that you have that need. And so when we just humble ourselves and come to him, we don't have to say it over and over. We're not repeating the model prayer over and over because we think it's more effective because of the times that we said it. It's more about where your heart is. 
Have you humbled yourself and come before God and say, Lord, I, I just need you? And so we need to be a praying people. May 4th in 2023, and somehow it got cut out of my notes. I don't remember who did this, uh, did this uh, study here, but uh, May 24th of this year, so it's fairly recent, it says more than 6 in 10 survey respondents or 61% said that they pray. I thought that was interesting. 61% of America supposedly prays. Um, I mean, that's kind of sobering. It's only 60%. But at the same time, it seems higher than what I would have expected. Um, but anyway, so 61% of Americans are supposedly praying. Um, <clears throat> and there, there was other stuff in this this thing, but there, there's also one in, in 2005 that Newsweek put out in, in this belief.net, and out of a hundred or a thousand and four Americans, uh, what they believe and how they practice their faith, uh, one of the questions was this, what do you think is the most important purpose of prayer? We're talking about why pray today. Here's their, here's their responses. Uh, no, uh, the highest one is to seek God's guidance, 27%. Number two, at 23%, to thank God. Uh, 19%, to be close to God or the divine. 13%, to help others. Intercessory prayer, we might say. 9%, to improve a person's life. It's pretty vague, but um, obviously all these people weren't Christians and didn't fully understand uh, the biblical view of prayer. And then 4% said other. So make up that, what, what that is. And I don't, I don't even understand this, but 5% of the respondents said don't know. So they pray, but they have no idea what they're doing. They're, I mean, this seems odd to me. And so I thank God that we have the privilege of prayer through Christ, and we understand that. But the reality is, uh, why pray? Why do we pray? Uh, and as the survey here that I, I read off to you suggests there are many reasons to pray. And, and those weren't, all weren't bad responses. To seek, excuse me, to seek God's guidance. It's a good reason to pray. Lord, what would you have me to do here? Lord, direct me. Uh, we pray for many reasons. And, and this morning we're going to look at just a few of those things. But why pray? And I will submit to you this morning, uh, one of the main reasons to pray is for adoration to express adoration to our God. Is He not worthy? That we would praise and, and adore Him. God is certainly worthy of our praise and adoration. And we can praise Him in song, but we can praise Him in prayer as well. And let me give you a couple examples. In uh, Ephesians chapter 3, when Paul prayed for the Ephesians... Uh, he took time to praise God in this prayer. I'm gonna, it's, it's about seven verses, so it's, it's not long, but it's not short. But boy, if we could get a hold of this idea of prayer. And it, it's not a mechanical thing like saying the Lord's model prayer. Look at this prayer from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints 
what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ with, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Boy, what do your prayers sound like? Lord, bless the saints. Praise God you're praying for them. The Apostle Paul was very specific. Strengthen them in the inner man. Do these, do these things, God, according to your power and according to... Listen, there's so much access that we have in God. And oftentimes our prayers are so superficial. And I'm afraid it's because we're doing it very mechanically. We're not really getting in touch with our God. And, and listen, I'll tell you this. Prayer goes hand in hand with the Word of God. Uh, praying the Word of God is about the most powerful prayer I think anybody can do. But what does, what does the Apostle Paul say he wants for these people? To be strengthened uh, with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints... What is the breath? And he's praying that these guys grow in Christ. Is that not what that says? Lord, help us to pray like we ought to. But he gives glory and he, and he, and he for, because I use the word adoration, but uh, he's giving adoration unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ. Listen, this is all to God's glory. God, we want you to do all of this for your glory. All these good things we would love for you to pour out on the saints of God, but it's all for your glory. It's good for us to praise God. First Chronicles 29, verse 10 through 13, David provides an example of adoration and praise. This is a great example. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and Thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come out of Thee, and Thou reignest over all. And in Thy hand is power and might, and in Thy hand is it to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. Boy, we would do well to praise our God in prayer. Do you see what David understood in that prayer? He understood all of the goodness comes from God. Our strength, our riches, all of that is from God. Uh, and sometimes it would do us well just to acknowledge that before the throne of God. <clears throat> of course, adoration and praising God was not one of the responses in the survey. But I submit to you this morning, it's an important part of prayer. Mm -hmm. Hallowed be thy name, the model prayer tells us. Uh, the model prayer is a great framework for how we ought to pray. But it's not specific words that we ought to pray because I want to remind you this life, the Christian life, is about a relationship with God the Father. It makes no sense to me to go with repetition, repeating a memorized prayer over and over to some deity, some, some God. That, uh, that's not our God. 
Our God is a God of a relationship with us. He wants to know us. And so when we're in Christ, we know him, and, it, and it's an opportunity for us to come and get to know him better. I'm, a, I'm inside doing a backflip. That's exciting. God wants to get to know you. God wants a relationship with you. What a blessing it is to know that we can develop that relationship in prayer by giving him praise. And, and listen, the reality is he's going to get praise regardless of whether you give it to him or not. So you might as well benefit from that because it's good for us. We're created to do so. Uh, it's good that we would give praise to our God. It, I'm telling you this morning, at times it's just good to give glory to His name. It, it does our heart good. There's something about remembering who He is and recognizing who or how low we are. I know it does my heart good. It's just good to praise God that He is. He is. Uh, you can look at Psalm 8, and in, I think Exodus 15 is a, a great example of, uh, of a prayer of adoration. In Exodus 15 is after Pharaoh's army was drowned in the Red Sea, and the people of God were just praising Him for His strength. Very similar to what we just read there in Chronicles of David. Uh, and, but listen, it, it's good for us to give glory and praise and adoration to God in prayer. I know it encourages my heart. I can't always explain what happens because it's spiritual. And I'm not so smart. But I do know that when I humble myself before God and recognize who He is, it encourages my heart. Another reason for prayer is confession. There is mercy to be found in confessing our sins. Proverbs 28.13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We find mercy in a confessional prayer. What a blessing to know that in Christ we can enjoy the cleansing because of His sacrificial blood. In 1 John we are, we're reminded in the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us. What a blessing to know. And so... Here are a couple examples of confessing prayers or confessing sins. Luke chapter 18. Jesus provided an example with the, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. And I think this is a great example of what we see of God's mercy and, and how He operates. Two men went up into the temple to pray. Luke 18.10 The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. Well, there's a problem. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Boy, that might be an indictment in some of our prayers. We need to be careful about a self-righteous attitude. It's but by the grace of God that we're where we are. I fast twice in the week. Did you know God knows your needs before you ask them? I don't think He needs to be made aware that you fast. Look at the attitude that this Pharisee has to an almighty, holy God that created him. Boy, how dangerous it can be. Even in our circles today, we get a self-righteous attitude. I fast twice in the week. 
I give tithes that all that I possess. And, the, uh, and here's what the publican said. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You need to come before God in humility. This man wouldn't even look up. He was smoting his breast. He was so broken, understanding who God is and, and who He is. Look at how this closes out here. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Listen, if you go to God with a self-righteous attitude, He's not going to hear. You need to understand who you are. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. You have no good of yourself. Here's another one. This is probably one of the most likely well-known examples of confessing one's sins before a holy God. Psalm 51. David's confession. And, and I have referred to this oftentimes in my Christian life to help me get through times of failure. Times when I've sinned. Look at David's prayer here. Have mercy upon me, O God. And he calls out, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. David had done some egregious things against other people. But look what he recognizes. And it, I, I made the assumption many of you are familiar with this, but this is his prayer of confession after being confronted by Nathan about a sin with Bathsheba and, and killing Uriah, her, her husband. It says this, Against thee and thee only have I sinned, and none this evil in thy sight. If, listen, if we could just understand it, it has nothing to do with anyone else. That was one of the things that changed my Christian life. When you understand that how you conduct yourselves, the most important person to be concerned with is God. That will change who you are for the better. You won't be in anxiety worried about what people are thinking. Now, I'm not saying you walk around just being offensive and rude with no care. That's not, that's not Christ-like, and, and there, we could talk about that all day. But, but what I am telling you is we need to be far more concerned about what God thinks about us, especially in the private compartments of our mind and our heart when no one else is around. And get a hold of this idea that when we sin, it's against God and God alone. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Boy, he wants the truth. And in the inward parts shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Boy, if we could get a hold of this confession here in our lives, we would make a difference in the lives of sinners. We would be a more effective witness. 
Is that not what it says? Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. Listen, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. There's a lot of Christians that are walking around moping and depressed and just don't know what to do with themselves because they got sin in their life and they need to confess that and get right with God because he can bring, he can restore the joy of your salvation. I think the Christian that's in sin is the most miserable person on the earth. The unsaved, they're out living a life of sin because that's what sinners do. And they don't have the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in their life. And they don't have that constant conscience saying, hey, this ain't right. What are you doing? Miserable. It's so much sweeter just to confess that. Just deal with that, and God can restore the joy in that fellowship with Him. Listen, uh, obtaining forgiveness by confessing sin is a blessing only enjoyed through Christ. Thank God for the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I you got to get saved to experience these things. And and but listen, I, I'm talking to the saved primarily this morning. Once we have put on Christ, once we're in Christ, as Galatians tells us in chapter 3, prayer is crucial to maintaining fellowship with the Father. It is critical. We're going to read the entire chapter of 1 John chapter 1. Don't worry, it's only 10 verses. Most of you know 1 John's pretty short. But I just want to get a lot of Word of God into you this morning. Listen to these ideas and thoughts about prayer that we find in the Word of God and this idea of confessing and getting right with God. 1 John chapter 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon in our hands of handle, of the word of life. For the life was manifest, and, was, or, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. So listen, it's, it's about fellowship. I'm talking about a relationship. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. We're talking about having an abundant Christian life. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him has, is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Listen, it's about fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you have sin in your life, your fellowship is... Broken. It's hindered. But thank God that there's mercy. And if we confess our sins, He is faithful. He won't let you down ever. And just. He's dealt with that sin. I love the idea that He's just. In Christ, He's already dealt with it. So that fellowship can be restored. But we have to acknowledge it. And we have to deal with it. If not, it will hinder our lives, certainly our Christian life. And for the Christian this morning, as you confess your sin, ask God to strengthen you to overcome it. 
If you've got a besetting sin, something that you seem to struggle with, you're not going to get over that in your own strength. Ask God to give you a desire for the healing power or for the healing word. The word of God is what heals us. And, and really, the word of God is what keeps us from sin. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107, 20. Psalm 119, 11, Thy word is, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But listen, if you don't get in the word, if you don't have a desire to be in the word, so ask God to strengthen you. Ask God to give you that desire. Ask God to uh, work in your, in your life. I don't know, we're, you're definitely not going to make it to the end of this, but I, I encourage you to read Romans chapter 8. It says He will quicken your mortal bodies. God can strengthen us. We can have victory in our Christian lives. Sometimes we just need to deal with the sin and ask God to strengthen us. Ask God to work in our life. Oh my, how we need to maintain our fellowship with the Father. It's not a one and you're done at Christ when you get saved. We read 1 John there. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Listen, we need constant fellowship with our Father. And in order for that to occur, we need to be honest and recognize our shortcomings and our failures and the sin in our life. And thank God that through Christ we can. We have access. And so this morning I encourage you to pray. And praying might begin at confession. And I'm not talking about going in a black box with some slide window so you can... That's what I'm talking about. You go straight to God Himself. Because of Christ, our great high priest. We have access to the throne of grace. What a blessing. That ought to get you going. You guys look like you're half dead this morning. In Christ, we have access to the throne of God. God Himself, grace to help in time of need. Are you ever needy? I certainly am. And whether you realize it or not, so are you. Boy, we need grace. Boy, we need God. Boy, how we neglect prayer. Offering thanksgiving is another reason to pray. We are repeatedly exhorted to give thanksgiving in prayer. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Look what verse 18 says, in everything give thanks. Thanksgiving is a part of praying. Uh, if you're not giving thanks, you're really probably not praying in all reality. And look what it says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I'm going to finish with this idea of thanksgiving and prayer. We might, we'll have to pick this up in the, in the weeks to come. But did you know the antidote to anxiety is to pray for everything with thanksgiving? You can't, you can't leave that part out. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made out unto God. Here it is. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
I've been anxious. I've been full of care many times in my life. Those times that I responded properly, as the Word of God encourages us to do here, I have found peace and comfort, listen, when it didn't make sense. I'm not saying God immediately spoke to me or sent something and resolved the issue. That's not how that works. But what happens is God can supernaturally give you a peace that is far greater than anything this world has to offer because you don't have to worry about it. He's already got it under control. Listen, I want to remind you, he knows what you need before you ask. He has obligated himself to meet your needs. Oftentimes we get caught up and we get our stomach in knots and we get stressed out and we get full of anxiety because we're trying to control an outcome when the reality is it probably is not the will of God. And listen, I'm telling you, there's things that that give me knots in my stomach. Raising kids is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, I think. Because especially when they get older, you don't dictate their life quite like you used to. And so they start to make decisions, and it'll turn your stomach into knots. And I'll tell you what, I'm still learning this. You just turn it over to God and say, Lord, I think I've done really all I could do. I've done the best. I know I haven't been perfect. I I failed along the way, but God, I need you to, I need your help. And it's amazing how he can give peace. And that doesn't even mean my kids are in compliance with what I wanted. But it's in the Lord's hands. The reality is, if you guys remember, we have to pray in faith. You just got to trust God that he knows best. Listen, don't work yourself into knots. Give thanks. Thank God for your children. Listen, we need tribulation. We need hard times in our life. It draws us near to God. So when all of these challenges of life, all the illnesses that pop up, I feel like cancer is everywhere today. And I know people have probably said that for a couple decades now, but there isn't a family that's not touched by that stuff, it seems like. And and that's just one ailment of all. There's many. And and so who knows what the doctor, the phone call is going to reveal next week. But you don't have to get worked up about it. Thank God for it. And that might be hard. With thanksgiving, in faith, trust Him. And He can give you peace that passes all understanding. And He'll keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Here's a few examples of thanksgiving. Uh, Christ gave an example of thanksgiving. Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus answered and said, Thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them to him. Matthew 26, 27. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. And of course, that's when the first Lord's Supper there. Can you imagine giving thanks at such a time as Christ was facing the cross? What a great example of giving thanks. John 6, 11, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, it's probably where we get the example of praying before meals, thank the Lord for those things. He distributed to the disciples and his disciples to them that were set down, and likewise the fishes as much as he would. Daniel gave us an example of giving thanks. Three times a day he would. And guess what? Daniel did it when it wasn't popular. Right? right? If you're familiar with that account, he was commanded not to pray to anybody other than the king. But Daniel was faithful to give thanks to his God. Daniel 6.10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into the house and his widows, 
or in his windows being open in his chamber toward heaven, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Listen, we need to give thanks when it's not popular. If no one else is, if the world's against us, we need to give thanks. Listen this morning, are you praying? Daniel wasn't deterred. He maintained his prayer life even when it wasn't popular. Listen, our God is, is worthy and He's due our thanks. We'll pick up the rest of this next week. I don't think we can really discount the importance of thanksgiving in our prayers. It develops gratitude within us when we begin to give thanks. So maybe you need to examine your life today because you feel like you don't have anything to give thanks for. Find those things and, and begin offering those thanks to God and I think you'll find that your heart will be stirred and, and you'll be encouraged and strengthened in the Lord. We'll pick the rest of this up next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that we'd be a praying people. Lord, I ask that you'd work in our lives and help us to make prayer a priority. And Father, we pray for your blessing upon the service to follow. We ask that you'd speak to hearts and move in lives. We pray that the word of God would go forth with free course. And you would help us to be attentive and doers of your word. And we'll give you the glory for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.